0: To Mike Cyber Radio, I am your host, and today I am going to talk about a concert I went to over the weekend. I went down to Portland to see The Offspring uh, at the Crystal Ballroom uh, there in Portland as part of radio station KNRX's December to Remember 2022 series, and uh, so I I'm here in Seattle. I've seen the offspring a number of times i haven't seen them every time they come to seattle but i've i've seen them a lot and i include them in my list of favorite bands certainly top five maybe top three and depending upon the day you catch me Maybe in that number one spot. I probably thought that more when I was younger, when I was a teenager. But um, things have oscillated, and and certainly I, I would say that Bad Religion has since uh, eclipsed uh, my uh, my my love of The Offspring. But um, but but it's certainly a band that I've always uh, kept up with and have been uh, very much uh, very much into. I, I mean, I, I still vividly remember the, uh, summer of 1994 and seeing that video on MTV with like, like this, this dude with the weird white guy dreads and the, and the bizarre sepia tone tinfoil on the wall. And, and of course that, uh, unmistakable, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh Middle Eastern exotic, uh, sounding guitar riff of, uh, come out and play. And I was hooked. Uh, but. Also, though, um, I mean that that that's the door. That's the song. I mean, the big mammoth hit that gets us all in the door, right? But um, what I discovered, though, and I I don't remember the name of the the CD store. I mean, they've they've long since closed. It's been it's been twenty five years or more. But um, I remember going to the the CD market, and uh, they they would let you sample. Uh, songs they gave you headphones and a little portable CD player, and you could like you know listen to uh, uh, CDs before uh, you bought them. And I remember I listened to uh, Smash quite a bit before I ended up buying it. Um, and what struck me while listening to that album, and I swear I am going to review the concert here, but um, uh, but but what, the thing that stuck with me is not necessarily the singles you know uh you know come out and play self-esteem and and all of that but it it was the deeper cuts uh the b-sides and even now to this day my favorite offspring songs are not the singles are not the big mammoth hits so i am a super fan i celebrate the catalog but my my fandom of the offspring is is really kind of odd because like i if if i were to make a ranked top 10 list i don't know if i would put any of the singles on there and certainly not their biggest biggest radio hits so just a uh, you know it just kind of give you a little bit of a, a heads up of kind of where uh my fandom is but um i, I kind of got ahead of myself a little bit in that i um the offspring have been on tour uh, for a while, uh, pretty much the larger portion of this year. They played a lot of shows in Europe. Uh, they did a, a huge leg in Australia And these were all huge, big shows, Uh, stadiums with, you know, thousands and thousands of people, big, elaborate production. You know, like I I kept seeing uh, this giant wheel with video screens and and there was like, you know, uh, 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 floppy blow up guys of the of the pretty fly for a white guy guy. There was a, you know, the blimp and, you know, just just big, huge, elaborate. Uh, productions, uh, for, you know, a top tier style concert. And, um, this show was significantly different. In fact, I would call it, um, a show as opposed to a concert, uh, because of like the, the, uh, um, the size of the venue. Um, but I, I was on the I I had seen I think it was a social media post telling saying something about this this show in Portland. And I remember being confused when I I saw the December to remember uh, thing from the from the radio station. And I couldn't at first I thought it was a single show. Then I looked further into it and it looked like it was a festival. With you know, with with, with uh, um, uh, tons of artists like you know Young the Giant and and whoever else was was part of that lineup, so. In the span of an afternoon, I went from being very interested to very disinterested, back to being very interested again. Uh, once I actually clicked through their website and looked at the um, at the lineup and saw that it was a single show on Sunday, December eighteenth, uh, which for me logistically worked very well. It was the bye week for well, not not bye week, but um, but my Seattle Seahawks had played on Thursday. And uh, I knew that at the time. And so I knew there wasn't going to be a Seahawks game on Sunday. So I thought that that would be um, a good opportunity. Um, But I I looked at the calendar to see if because generally when the offspring play uh, Portland or when most bands on larger tours play Portland, they generally also play Seattle. Uh, you know, I, I had mentioned Bad Religion and and you can you can almost count on those uh, those sh- those shows being in tandem. Um, so I went to the Offsprings website to check their concert calendar. And uh, basically they they had a couple days layover from uh, their their last Australia date and then this show on the 18th and then a, a show in L.A. on the 19th. Uh, which as you're listening to this now that this hasn't happened at the time of me recording, but, uh, but as you're listening to it now that that show has already happened and it was probably awesome as well. Um, but my point being is like that, that uh, there was no Seattle show and no other shows until I want to say like March of next year. And even then it looks like they're heading back to Europe and maybe some North America dates. I, I don't have it in front of me, but, um, but again, no Seattle date. So I thought if I wanted to see the Offspring. Uh, this time around, it's been um, a number of years since I saw them. I think the last time I saw them was in 2018 as part of the Sobroso uh, uh, Taco and Beer Fest uh, at the White River Amphitheater, uh, which which was a great show and a huge uh, big festival style show as well. Um, so I thought that this would be a great opportunity uh, to do that. So what I ended up doing. Uh, was I um, uh, took the Amtrak commuter train from Seattle down to Portland and uh, got a hotel uh, right by the venue. Uh, the show was at the uh, McMinnims. Uh, crystal Ballroom and I got a room at the adjoining uh, Crystal Hotel as part of the the McMinimans, uh, um empire there um, so for me it was like it was like a really cool kind of like immersive experience um, you know I, I got off the train at Union Station and and, uh, it was about, I think it's like a mile or so about, about a, about a 15 minute walk from the train station, uh, to the hotel. I arrived at the hotel at like five thirty Sunday, uh, checked in, uh, went down to the bar, had, uh, had, had a little bit of a pre-funk, had, a, had some dinner and then walked Two blocks over to the venue to get in line uh, to uh, uh, to get in to go to the show uh, go to the show. Uh, doors opened at seven thirty, and the show was um, was at nine. There, so uh, again, very very um, um, self contained. I I gotta tell you, it was a really fun show, and uh, I, I think that's that's why I was inspired uh, to do this as a podcast. Uh, I have to keep reminding myself that I can have experiences that aren't content but I haven't really talked about uh, the offspring since uh, since they dropped their latest album uh, let the bad times roll and uh, so I, I thought this would be a, a cool opportunity to uh, to revisit them but um, it, it was a it was a great crowd a great scene and a terrific mix of Folks, I think when you have over 25 years of fandom and having that crossover appeal that The Offspring has... um, You know, I, I, I was, I was just thinking about something I I just said there at the beginning about how come out and play is, is, you know, kind of like a lot of people's entry points, but thinking about it now for like younger folks, that's probably not even the case anymore. There's probably just as many folks that got in the door, uh, with a pretty fly for a white guy, another huge MTV hit. Um, so yeah, so it's like, you know, there's, there's been a few different entry points for different fans over the years. Um, but anyway, it was it, it was uh, it, it was an eclectic group. Um, obviously, I saw a lot of folks that looked like me, you know, uh, guys in their 40s. Um, I saw a lot of couples, a lot of groups. Um, but I also saw a lot of teenagers and um, a lot of girls and a lot of teen girls. And it was. Uh, yeah, it was. In fact, I, I don't know if this is a Portland thing, but like I I would say that, I mean, certainly not a majority of the crowd but a larger representation of, uh, of the fans in attendance were female, uh, which, which I thought was, um, was really cool. Um, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, it, a very diverse crowd. Uh, it, it did get a little rowdy at times. Uh, the, uh, uh the pit was, uh, was small, but mighty, um, it was really popping, and, and and you could you could tell that it was really popping off when you could feel the floor start to flex. Uh, the uh, the Crystal Ballroom is like in a in a historical building. And it's on like, I don't know, like the third floor. I felt like I went up like a million flights of stairs uh, to get to the titular uh, ballroom. But like there there's a few times where it's like I'm kind of like hopping up and down and I can kind of feel the floor kind of kind uh, of uh, uh, flexing underneath me. And when when the pit was going, I was like. I don't know about this. Or are, are we just going to, is this floor going to give out? Is it going to, you know, are we going to fall all the way uh, to hell here? Are we all going to hell tonight? Um, but then it, it didn't, you know, th- then, then the logic brain kicks in and you realize that this is a, a building that's been here for um, a great number of years and has had just as many uh, uh, folks. I, I, I think we were going to be okay, but that I, I, I'm not joking. There were a few times where I'm just like, I think this thing is going to give out. But, um, but it it was, um, it was, it was interesting how the, um, how the show was promoted and how it ultimately sold out. Like I saw virtually no traffic on social media um, to the point where I thought that this show was kind of neglected. um, Like in terms of like, promotion, one from the band, but also from the radio station supporting it as well. And I didn't quite understand why at the time, but once the show eventually sold out, I think I understood because like, you know, you know, the show, show sold out, you don't necessarily need to aggressively promote or advertise, but it felt like in proportion and comparison to the band's, uh, stops in Australia, You know, it just, it it just, it just didn't feel like it was getting the attention and it felt like a, a forgotten show for a sec. And it was so, so that, that was kind of like a, um, um, an interesting, uh, weird feeling, but, um, but, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, the show itself had what I would describe as a very radio friendly set list. Um, it's. So this this was a show in in the the realm of who is this for this is a show for um trying to to uh, as broad of a net as possible catching um fans of multiple generations and that you know you're you're trying to appeal to casuals but you're trying to appeal to lifelong fans as well. And I think as as I go through the set list, because I'm gonna uh, go through the set list and and tell you a couple things about about the uh songs that they played, um it was it, it was interesting. Um especially knowing what some of the set lists have been as the Let the Bad Times Roll tour has, uh, has gone on for the last year or so. So it's like there, there, there were kind of like a, a a variety of expectations that could have been, um, uh, had going in. But, um, there, there was also, I would say with, with the band, uh, just enough stage banter. You know, I, I think the dynamic between, uh, Dexter and Noodles is genuine and fun, and they like flipping each other's shit. And I, I, I always like that. Like, I mean, like, you know, I, have got family that are, uh, country music fans. And so I've, I, I've seen, uh, Brooks and Dunn a number of times. And, and so I, I kind of like that dynamic when you have like a duo that, uh, uh, you know, that, that can really, uh, give each other, a, um, a hard time on stage. In fact, uh, uh, to a far, far, far lesser extent, I think, uh, Greg Graffin and Jay Bentley have, have a little bit of that, um, uh, from Bad Religion, but still it's, it, it, it you could tell that they were having a genuinely good time. And again, I, I think it was because it was a very rowdy, energetic crowd. Um, and it was it was a packed room. And um, yeah, just a just a, um, a lot of good energy there. So to kind of set the scene for you. Um, as I mentioned, the uh, Crystal Ballroom, the McMinnemans uh, Crystal Ballroom, is is basically like in uh, downtown Portland, as part of the uh, historic uh, Pearl District, and it's um, it, it, it's it's a, it's a gorgeous room. I had never been there before. I had told a friend of mine on Friday before I left. That um, that I was going there and he was telling me that he and his wife had seen uh, L7 uh, back there back in the day, had a blast with it. And, you know, we, we have a number of historical theaters and concert venues up here in Seattle. And uh, so I, I wasn't disappointed. It, it was delightfully old timey between like the, the, the decorations on the wall, you know, the chandeliers, the sconces, the crown moldings, um, all of this stuff. But the um, the configuration of the ballroom is is was uh, kind of weird in that it's you know, it's it's a, a rectangular ballroom with the stage set in the farthest corner. So it's all already in terms of a concert viewing space, it's already kind of awkward because it's it's a rectangular room with the stage in the corner. So basically, um, I would say like, uh, you know, half of it, like there's like a giant staircase in the in the uh, uh, far side of the room that was barricaded off uh, for and that became the beer garden. Um, and then there was also like a, a balcony area above again, very, very, uh, very interesting, unique setup. Um, but basically like, so, so the stage ends up kind of being like this weird, uh, perpendicular wedge of, uh, of crowds kind of pushing in. Um, I got there early enough to, uh, kind of pushed myself in to be kind of part of the back of the crowd, which, you know, as it, so there were people already there and then people ultimately uh, filled in behind me. Um, I'm the guy uh, that, you know, I, I don't get in the pit, but I like to be next to the pit. So my, my buddy Chandler told me, he's like, make sure and throw some bows. And, uh, and I definitely did. Cause like my move is I'm the guy because like I'm an older guy and I'm a bigger guy. So I, my, my favorite spot is to kind of be like on the edge of the pit so that like I get some of that contact from people bumping into me, but also I get to participate by shoving them back. And in a, a moment of accidental chivalry, I, I also kind of like keep my eyes open for folks that look like they're getting knocked around more than they would like. And I kind of put myself in that line of fire. Um, I, I would like to say it's for them, for their protection, but it's it is that. But it's also for me to get a little push and shove. Um, and I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that I, I got the opportunity to work some stuff out. Um, it's, uh, it, it is very satisfying as a, as, as an older guy, uh, in my forties to just shove around some teenagers. And <laughs> I, and it was just like, huh, it was, uh, it, it, and, and it's all in good fun. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, and I saw some really good pit etiquette there. There, there, were a couple of times where like folks would fall over and then immediately it would be like, you know, help people up. And so it, it, it's good to see that the kids today still, uh, uh, respect the pit and have a, have, have a, have good etiquette there. Um, I, in terms of like uh crowd size, Um, I, I, I did a little bit of a research trying to figure out the, the room capacity and it says the, the ballroom can hold 1500 people, but with like all of the, uh, fencing and baby gates and all of that stuff for, uh, the beer garden, I think that leeches off some of the, the room. Um, there, there was a part during the, the, uh, show banter where Noodles was trying to guess the capacity and he kept saying like, you know, he exaggerated of course and said like, well, you know, it's like 875,602 or something like that. Uh, but he said it twice and it leads me to believe that there was um, at least 875 people. Um, so I guess for me, I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to say there's a thousand. let Let's say there was 1000 people at that show. So, um, pretty well attended sell out crowd, but not, not stadium level, but you cram in, you know, 875 to a thousand people that that's a lot, but that also makes it a, what I would consider to be a relatively intimate show. I guess, I guess it would be a, a big, small show or a small, big show, uh, depending upon how you want to look at it. But, but certainly a stark contrast to the the stadiums and arenas that the band has been playing for the better portion of uh, of the last year. Um so I I walk in and I see the stage and I see a, a couple spots of uh, for you know a couple mic stands. I see that there's a drum kit in the corner and then I see there's another drum kit in the corner. Um, and I look closer and I see that there's like a keyboard and and uh, uh, maybe something that looks like conga drums. Um, I, I couldn't quite exactly tell, but it it, uh, it looked like there was a lot. But the thing that I did not see was no piano and I didn't see a room for uh, see room for a piano. So that that told me a few different things right off the bat one that it was going to be an intimate show but also that you're not going to get like some of the more elaborate um uh performances that we've seen in the past so there was no uh piano uh version of gone away no christy are you doing okay um and i i because that that's that is i don't want to get on a tangent but like um I really like the the piano version of Gone Away and I'm I'm glad that they recorded it and put it on the new album I I saw that first performed back in 2009 at a at a show in Seattle and I remember thinking even then oh my god this is like incredibly moving they they need to record this now though I think that it's been 10 plus years and they do it at almost every show it feels a little gimmicky to me But um, but that doesn't make it any less impactful. But um, regardless, though, for me, for this fan, I I was kind of glad to see the the piano get a break uh, for this show. And that that again, that just kind of kind of gave me an expectation of what this show was going to be. There was no opening act, which was an interesting choice, but a welcome one. So, you know, I, I'm at the age where I don't necessarily need to always see like Joe garage band or, uh, some, some shitty local band. Um, I mean, I, I, I love my independent musician friends, but sometimes, uh, especially when you're paying a, uh, premium price for a show ticket. You just kind of want to get to it and and that's exactly what happened so like it, it was it was um it was weird and almost jarring how quickly. It it just happens because like I w- I was standing there in my spot, you know, casually making friends with uh folks around me, uh, uh talk to uh talk to a cat that just happened to be from Spokane, and we had like this whole conversation about like uh what you tell people when you go to the airport. Oh, I'm from Washington. Oh, you mean DC? No, the state. I refuse to say Washington State because that is not the name of the state. Um, and and this came about because like. Uh, I told him I was from Seattle and he's like, well, like actual Seattle. And I'm like, well, SeaTac, but you know, I, I, I live, uh, live a couple miles from the airport. So close enough. Uh, my wife later told me I should just start telling people that I live in the city of SeaTac, which, which is true. But, um, but anyway, it was, it, it was cool making a, you know, kind of, uh, line buddies or crowd buddies or whatever. Um, but like, so the house lights go dark and the band comes out and they just get right into it um like no warning no no uh a preamble or warm up or anything they just come right into it and they come out swinging well no they didn't play come out swinging but <laughs> uh but but they started with come out and play and it, it to me that that does set the tone and that does set a message where you open the show with arguably your uh, uh, biggest hit um, instead of making us wait for it. And it kind of already sets the table for a all killer, no filler um, show. But like I I, I got I mean, I, I've heard this song a million billion times and if i never heard it again i would probably be just as okay with it um as as i said the the big mammoth hits aren't aren't always my favorite because you know because of being overplayed overexposed and 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 all of that but um but man just just hearing those those opening notes you know just that little beat of the drum doo-doo-doo-doo, and then and then the the riff kicks and chung 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 and it's just like you know when they come out and say you gotta keep them separated the 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 lights come on and and we're just off to the races it, it was uh um it, it was it was awesome um so yeah so as as i said it it's uh um uh, very uh radio friendly uh set list uh lots of singles lots of hits and um and lots of fun so from come out and play they go into uh staring at the sun uh the the second or third the the third track second song off of americana it just depends upon how pedantic you want to be um but i and i and I like that song quite a bit uh there there's a lot to it that I like. Um, however, and this is just a weird, dumb me thing. Um, there, there, there are a lot of songs that I think go in pairs very well. And it's still, even though they play it at a lot of their live shows, I have a hard time hearing, uh, staring at the sun separated from, uh, have you ever the, uh, the opening song off of, um, Americana, which incidentally for me personally is my favorite offspring song. Um, and again, it's not a single. It's not even a deep cut because it, it, it's technically the the uh, opening song. Um, but like that gives me all of the 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 dynamics and angst and. And everything that I and, and harmonies and and everything uh, key change you know everything I want in an Offspring song, but but I'm not talking about that song here today because they didn't play it. Um, so uh, from there, after staring at the sun, they get into um, it, it's. Uh, uh, they, they played "Want You Bad" um, off of uh, "Conspiracy of One," uh, one again one of their big, big singles. But they started it off in this really cool festival style uh uh fashion which i i had never heard before again i've heard them play this song um a million times but um you know they come out and and dexter just acapella he's all like i want you all tattooed and then like the the uh the crowd just gets into it and they do like the the that whole segment there you know i want you all tattooed i want you bad complete me, mistreat me. I want you to be bad 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 very bad. Bad bad bad. I I don't remember how many bads are in there uh cuz I I'm not singing it in in key and um and then like he pauses and then just the the uh the the music kicks in and it's uh it, it was a really cool rendition. It reminds me, man, you know, if, if you had uh, the Mike Seibert radio bingo card. And if I was uh, anytime I mentioned bad religion and um, actually it should be the Mike Seibert radio uh, drinking game. Uh, anytime I mention bad religion, take a take a drink because like it reminds me of the festival version of generator where it's you know, it's it's just the lyric. Um, but yeah, re- really fun. Uh, from there, they they talk about well, you know, we're we're touring on our on our new album. Here's a here's a couple of uh, songs from the new album, and they played uh, "Let the Bad Times Roll" and "Behind Your Walls," uh, which I, I think would be the um, uh, best ideal choice. Um, you know, I and and their performances of both of those songs was really good. Um, I I had never heard. Um, I don't think I've heard them uh perform any of the new stuff live. well, duh, what am I talking about? I haven't seen them <laughs> um you know, since they released the uh the new album, but yeah, no um a uh, good life performances of those songs um the the thing that that i I thought of also you know I've mentioned a number of times that the the set list was quote unquote radio friendly, but the the term that was eluding me. Uh, rattling around in my head, is that almost all of these songs are upbeat and party-friendly. So, you know, so when I say radio-friendly, that's what I mean. It's like, you know, stuff that 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 that's upbeat, you could be bop to and and you know kind of really uh um it gets your blood pumping and makes you feel good um so uh noah <laughs> they 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 elected not to play the opioid diaries on uh on this one, even though even though that song's a bang banger, and the more I listen to it, the more I like it, it just uh lingers and and sticks with me uh but yeah, so it, it's interesting because my affection for the offspring kind of comes from their dichotomy of musicality uh that that sounded very pretentious but basically i i appreciate the depth of angst that they tap into uh there 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 are themes of their songs that resonated with me when i was an angsty teen and still resonate with me now as a occasionally depressed adult Um, because like, you know, it just, it, it, it just hits different, but it, it's still the same songs, the same lyric, but it, um, yeah, it, it, it just connects with me on a different level. Um, kind of like, uh, my, my appreciation for Transformers, the movie, you know, it's like I, I, as an adult, I, I see and observe different things than I did when I saw it when I was, uh, seven years old. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so the, the things that connected with me when I was 14 years old, um, connect with me, uh, differently at, uh, at, at 44, but still all the same. Uh, so, uh, next up they played, uh, original prankster, uh, wh- which is always fun. Um, after that, uh, and I, I think this is probably the deepest cut Uh, That they play. And I say that with a wink and a nod. Uh, They played uh, Genocide off of uh, Smash, which was one of the hardest and heaviest songs that they played. And, uh, cause yeah, noodles was like, oh man, we're going to take you back. We're going to take you back to 1994. And, and that's as far back as they went. So, so nothing pre smash, not that I was expecting it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's stuff in those, uh, those first couple albums that I like quite a bit and I don't think it's enough love, um, uh but anyway so so they hit genocide, and uh that one that one really got the uh uh the crowd going um and then uh after that they go right into uh hammerhead uh which is a, a song that they don't play enough, but i've also heard enough um uh, enough times i mean um after that, which i I guess I would retroactively uh consider kind of the the mid part of the show they get into a another all time banger off of smash they played uh bad habit and i um i you know i I like the song a lot, but I like the song more as a live performance with audience participation and And again, I, I've seen them perform a number of times and I've seen them, uh, do this song a number of times, but I've never seen them, uh, do it like this. Um, you know, so there's, there, there's a infamous, uh, part in the, in the middle of the song with, with some, uh, very explicit swearing. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're, uh, they're going through a song and like the, um, the you know what? I I have the the musical fluency of a partially thawed fish stick, so I don't you know, I, I don't I don't know what the term is, but it's like the it was like the the last portion. Uh, I Why am I messing this up? I, I guess like I mean, it's the chorus, right? Because he says I got a bad habit. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was the last run through of the chorus before this uh this infamous middle part with the swearing. And he's like, you know, um, you know, I guess I got a bad habit of blowing away. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna do the whole thing for you. I got a bad habit. Yeah, yeah. And and um and it goes through it and it's like, you know, a lot of yes, a lot of O's, and that, that portion of the song ends with, oh and then silence just stops you could almost hear like the record scratch where like the band just stops and it's kind of like one of those mic drops where in my head i may have even said this out loud i don't remember but it it was almost like okay thank you good night good night portland you've been a great crowd good night tip your weight staff that kind of thing it was one of those kind of like uh mic drop moments the song stops and you could hear a pin drop, and and then they go into uh, stage banter, banter, and telling all these stories. And you know, uh, Noodles is is talking about how you know Dexter just got his PhD, and now he's you know he's Doctor Dexter Holland, and and all that. And, and it gives you a level of distraction where you almost. Uh, lose track that they've stopped in the middle of a song. And, you know, they're talking about the crowd and, uh, you know, talking about how great, uh, the, the, the room and the energy feels, uh, Dexter at one point said like this, this feels like a, a, a club show, um, and all of that. And as they're talking about how they feel about the, uh, uh Portland crowd, it's like, well, you know, you, you folks down here in Portland, you like to swear, right? You like to, you like to swear, like swear, like lumberjacks and swear, like longshoremen. And, uh, you know, this whole, this whole thing about, um, about how, uh, Portland folks like to swear. And it's like, well, you know, in this, uh, you know, coming up in the, in this part of the song, there's, there's some swearing. You want to swear with us? Come on, we're going to we're going to swear together. And it's uh and and you remember Oh Snap, they're still in the middle of the song and there there's a there's a very important part uh coming up and um and ironically enough, I was just going to describe it here for you, but like um, a uh, uh, someone with a YouTube account, rock solid karaoke. They actually uh, recorded it and put it up on their channel. So I'm I'm actually going to play the audio for you here now. But yeah, so it's 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 the middle portion of uh, of Bad Habit where the the crowd uh, gets into that, um, uh, that, that infamous, uh, part of the song, but it, it cracked me up because like, you know, Dexter was really kind of like, okay, well, let me see if I can pick this up, you know? And like the drummer starts tapping on the, the, um, uh, the drum to like, you know, no, 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 I I don't need the beat. I got it. I got it. I, I, I could pick it up from here. I could pick it up from here. And so, yeah, so here we go. Check this out. Don't even
1: give me the note. I'm gonna I I don't I don't even I don't even need the note. I'm gonna just guess here. We're going to go on 3. 1 2 3. Dreams set there in the way as warm as three. Your pain seems so pains hot. Feel like I can't get dot shit. Goddamn motherfucker!
0: And and they just pick up and they they just go through the rest of the song and, and it was great. Uh, uh from there they go into why don't you get a job uh which which is always a fun one uh straight into uh can't get my head around you uh which i i really like um uh, that's uh that's um i i think splinter is a severely underrated album um and i'm glad that they touched on it in the form of, of this, uh, the single on there, um, uh, w- which is great. And then, um, of course, uh, uh, getting close to rounding out the, uh, the set, uh, they didn't make you wait for come out and play. They did make you wait for pr- pretty fly for a white guy. And that was, uh, um, that was, a, that was a fun thing too, because like, uh, and I forget it was in one of the earlier songs also, but I don't, I don't remember which one it was. Maybe it was still back in, in want you bad, but there were, there was a, there was a couple of few different times where like the, the band would do a chorus, um, extra times to do, uh, audience participation. And, um, there, there was, there was a healthy round of uh, of give it to me, babies. Uh huh, uh huh. Um, there, there was uh, there were so many give it to me, babies. Um, it was uh, um, so, so that was great. That was a lot of fun. And then uh, the closer uh, for their their main set was uh, the kids aren't all right, uh, which is a song for me that I've I've overlooked. Um, I think for a lot of folks, that's probably their favorite, best offspring song. And I would say from like a musicality standpoint, it probably is their best song. Um, I, again, I prefer the one on the other end of, of Americana. uh, Have you ever, but, um, but yeah, what a, what a killer song that is. It's, uh. And, you know, I I mentioned that that these songs are like party songs and The Kids Aren't All Right is the perfect offspring song in that it captures existential dread and, dare I say, ennui, um, uh, but while still having a, a rock pop uh, bebop to it. You know, you could bob your head to it when you're singing along about Brandon Oding and dying. You know that that kind of thing. You know where where it's like you you have to take a step back and consider the lyrics and the meaning of the song as as you're just casually bebopping. It's a uh, it's interesting. So um, that that was the end of their set. Um, they uh, exited the stage for a moment and then returned very quickly uh for uh, uh for a encore and i say very quickly because i don't think the crowd even had enough time to get a one more song chant going I don't remember. It may have happened, but like I don't I don't remember a period of time where we were waiting and being like one more song, one more song. So they come back out for an encore and they do You're Gonna Go Far Kid, uh which um th- that's that's another one that really just wants to make you throw some elbows and shove some people around because it, it is it is just full of, uh, nitro energy. Um, you know, just, uh, um, there, there, there's something visceral about screaming the, the lyric dance, fucker dance. And it's, uh, um, man, it's, it's good. And so they, they close out, uh, the, the encore set, uh, with, uh, with self-esteem, which again, that, that's another song for me. That while I do really like, it doesn't have the same shine on it. I was way more into "You're Gonna Go Far, Kid" than uh um than self-esteem, just because I've heard it so many times. But it is fun uh, hearing that uh, that opening lyric, the la 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 la. Um, great stuff overall. I had a terrific time. Um, I I'm, I'm glad that I made the trip. That I made the trek. Um, and that everything kind of came together, um, uh, the way that it did, um, had, had an absolute blast. Um, however, I do have some criticisms. Um, I mean, I, I've been, I've been very positive, um, a- about the, the entire experience. It's one of my favorite bands and, um, and, and I, I really enjoy, uh, seeing them perform, Uh, But but as I said, I I do have a couple uh, criticisms. Uh, One, it was a relatively short show. Um, You know, they they played 16 songs. And overall, I think checking checking my my watch at the time, they played for about an hour and 10 minutes. Um, I don't want to be greedy and want like a two hour set, but I would have liked at least 90 minutes. Um, especially for uh, for the price. Uh, the tickets were not prohibitively expensive, but still a little spendy. Um, maybe the lack of a show opener may have skewed that perception a bit. Um, I think maybe if there was at least an opening act, it would have quote unquote felt longer, but it was very odd the, the sensation of getting out of a concert before 1030 at night. And so, you know, you're all amped up and it's like, Whoa, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do with myself? Um, uh, especially for me personally, who I didn't have far to go uh, to my hotel. So it's not like, you know, everyone is like spilling out of out of the venue to go find their cars or ride shares or or maybe other like hotels in the area or whatever. I was literally two blocks uh, and, and then and then I was uh, then I was back home. So it, it's it's a weird sensation. Like even like when I sh- see shows here in Seattle, you know, generally you got to you know park somewhere And it, that, that is one of those things that, that is, I mean, it's when a plan works too well. Like, I mean, it was awesome that I didn't have to drive and I didn't have to worry about where to park my car, um, or anything like that. But also it didn't really give me a whole lot to kind of like burn off that, um, that, that post show energy. But, um, again, I, 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 thought it was, um, a little short, um, and doing some research about, uh, some of the, the, um, other sets on the, on the tour, um, average show length is about an hour and a half. And I think with like another 10, 15 minutes, maybe like two more songs. I, I don't think we would have had, that same feeling of disappointment. Cause I, I, I talked to, um, a couple folks at, at the time and certainly interacted with some folks in the, uh, offspring fan page, uh, group on Facebook. Um, and and that was kind of the consensus. It's like, yeah, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it, it was a little short. Um, one thing I think they, they could have done that, that I was kind of disappointed with is, um, I mean, one thing they could have done to lengthen the the show. Sorry, that was an incomplete thought. Uh, But... um no uh, sh- no real significant shout out or incorporation of the uh, the radio station and again so th- this uh, this show was presented and put together by uh, radio station kNRx uh, 94.7 um, uh, alternative Portland um, down there um, seems like a decent enough uh, radio station don't have anything uh, particularly bad to-, to say about them one way or the other but like, If this is a show that is put together by the radio station, you got to have one of the jocks, one of the DJs or like the morning show host or somebody representing the station up there on stage to at least do like some kind of stage announcement or a brief intro or something, you know, just to... um, you know, get up there and say, "Oh, hey man, I'm I'm man meat meatloaf. I'm I'm your your midday guy. Woo, man meat, we love you," or something like that. Because one one of the other things that I thought was odd, you know, they, they they did mention the radio station briefly, and it was in they were telling a story. About how they uh, the band got taken out to dinner, and there was a joke about you know leaving before the bill came and all of that other stuff, but it was like oh yeah you know and, and thanks to Gary for putting this together or wh- whatever name that they dropped. I'm sure that's the general manager, the station manager, program director, somebody, the boss, not necessarily the jock. So you know. Um, that 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 one kind of kind of rubbed me kind of weird because, yeah, it, oh, because um, like they're, they're, when they name dropped uh, uh, KNRX and and thank you and, and they did say thank you, um, but like the crowd around me, which was you know like the front row folks, cheered. So to me, that tells me that there are folks in that audience that are fans of the radio station. And if it was my hometown and my big rock station here in Seattle, in this case it's uh, you know, KISW, um, or or even the end, uh 1077, uh the big alternative station here in town. If either of those stations was putting on the show and there was no incorporation of like my favorite radio hosts or DJs, um, and all they get is a mention and a joke about uh uh, leaving before the bill came, I'd be a little disappointed. I'd be a little butthurt about that. But but that but that's just me being um, being a weirdo about um, stuff like that. So um, my my other criticism, and this this is a specifically unique thing to me, and I I have talked about this in other contexts, but um, I I wore earplugs uh, for the first time in a very long time. Um I um well I I guess first of all I, I want to give a uh, shout out to uh McMinimins, the the uh, uh, uh the Crystal Hotel where I was staying. There's a there was a uh a side table, you know, a nightstand. You open up the drawer and in the drawer is a set of earplugs and a portable lantern flashlight thing. Cause it, it gets, it gets very dark. Um, and Portland is not very well lit. They, they could invest in some, uh, street lamps. Um, a little sketchy at times, but, um, but I, I even tweeted it. It's like, you, you know, your hotel is concert friendly when they just provide you, uh, with, uh, with earplugs and a, uh, and a flashlight to, to, uh, find your way back. But with, with the earplugs, and again, I don't I don't I don't know how much I have talked about this, but I I have been experiencing hearing loss and I do have um, a bit of diagnosed hearing loss and hearing damage. Um, I, you know, I I, I don't want to get uh, uh, too much into it here and now, but more or less the audiologist that I saw what she recommended for me. And she's like, if you're around anything that's louder than a lawnmower, you got to have ear protection. And you know, if if this is your, your first time uh, listening to me, then uh, you know, let me share some uh, uh, wisdom that um, uh, apparently I have shared with others, but haven't heeded myself. Um, hearing is one of the few things that once it's gone, it doesn't come back. It doesn't heal there. There's not really a whole lot of like surgery options. I mean, there's like, you know, cochlear implants and and things like that, you know, some major significant surgeries, but like for someone like me who has some hearing loss, but not like severe hearing loss really the 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 solution is uh, is hearing aids and um I don't think I I'm ready to um make that make that jump yet but my point being is that I knew going in that um that I had a choice to make um so that's why I did I I um I put in earplugs and it changed the texture of the show for me and it changed the texture of the performance and it influenced my interpretation of it. So, um, you should be wearing, um, uh, earplugs or some kind of ear protection. Um, but the thing that I discovered experiencing the show wearing earplugs is that the um there there were aspects of the music that were shockingly clear um specifically the lyrics like i could hear dexter singing as clear as day um i could feel the the um the vibration from the amplifiers um I think what I couldn't hear so much is the depth and dynamics of the guitar parts. But I don't know that for sure. And I think the drums just kind of sounded very muffled. A lot of the show just sounded very muffled for me. And that in itself was kind of weird. So um, there are times where the band was talking about how loud the crowd was and I'm looking around. I'm just like, what are you talking about? So it's like it, it drowned out the crowd noise um, for me, which, which was uh, again, a very odd experience. And the other thing that that was odd for me as well is that um. I could hear myself. Now, I do a lot of my work wearing headphones. In fact, I, I'm wearing headphones right now, and I I'm listening to myself as I'm talking. So I'm I'm used to it from that context. In fact, I'm the guy that has difficulty using earbuds, like on the phone or as microphones, because I feel like my um. Hearing is being impeded like like, you know, my ears are being plugged and the only thing I can hear is um, Who I'm talking to and not being able to hear myself is very uncomfortable uh, for me Like if I could figure out the mix minus on on my uh, on my earbuds so that I can hear myself while I'm talking to somebody on the phone I would be I would be very very happy about that but wearing earplugs Gave me that same effect, and I'm a guy that sings along a lot. Um, I I've retired from singing in the shower. You know, I don't listen to the radio or anything while uh, while uh, while I shower, but I sing along in the car. Um, I I I like doing that a lot, and I like I like screaming and belting. With, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with my favorite songs and I do it at, at concerts and I, I, you know, and I'm loud. Like I, I will, I, I will, I will tear my throat up, um, singing along the thing that I observed or noticed, uh, while I was wearing earplugs, I could hear, every sound that i was making and i didn't like it it made me feel very uncomfortable so like any time i would cheer you know i would like you know woo or you know all all that stuff um you know as soon as i started singing along i heard myself and immediately got a complex about it immediately felt um ashamed and insecure because like i could hear how terrible i sounded and I'm thinking about, oh my God, is this what I sound like? Is is this what people next to me are are have been listening to? I mean, it, it was like it was like a total change of perspective, like instantaneously. It was very uncomfortable. So um there 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 were certain parts of certain songs, you know, it's like anytime there's a, you know, a whoa or a hey, I mean uh, I mean, it's the offspring for goodness' sake. So that I mean that that is that is half of their lyrics right there. I mean, like I mean, crime some forty one wrote a song about it. But um, uh, but anyway, it, it was so I would I would do that, and and I participated in the in the bad habit um, uh, uh, part that uh, that I played for you earlier, and you know a lot of any time where there was like a a. Uh, appropriate crowd participation thing I was there for, but I didn't cheer a lot. I didn't yell a lot. And, and again, I, I think that, that, that really, uh, was, was reflective of my specific experience, um, uh, um, wearing earplugs. So it's something I got to get used to. Um, I, I think so I, do, does it make my experience less than? No, but I also there is a part of me that didn't feel like I got the full experience, maybe the, like the same experience that everyone around me got, because I, you know, part of it is you want the noise and I don't feel like I got the noise. Um, a, Another aspect I, I had mentioned Uh, a side effect of, uh, of the earplugs was the clarity that I could hear uh, the singing and one, um, Dexter still got it. I'm not going to say that he doesn't, but you notice incongruities that you wouldn't unless you could hear things clear as a bell like I did. Um, he is forgetting lyrics all over the place, getting stuff mixed up, and, and I know when you got a deep catalog like that, you know you you'll get you'll get uh, verses mixed up, um, but it happened a lot, and um, I also notice um, songs with um, a lot of yelling, like like one of one of the I mean kind of like the the climax crescendo of, um, uh, can't get my head around you is, is a yell. Um, and he can't do it. Um, he has, he has the other hired hands do it for him as well as like, you know, and, and he can't hit some of the higher notes. I mean, obviously he has a higher pitched voice already. Um, you know, with, with kind of that, 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 um, California, Uh, affectation uh, to it but um, but I would not have noticed those things um, if I if I was just immersed in the noise of of the song and that that was also a weird experience that I kind of didn't care for Um, and it took me I don't know probably like a couple songs to get used to it also the, the the texture of, of, uh, uh, listening with the earplugs. Um, so yeah, so it's, I, I, would I have felt differently if I hadn't maybe, but I would also risk damaging my, my hearing even further. And, um, and I just can't put myself, um, in that position. Um, so that's, that's all I have to say about that. But, um, but also though, the um the set list was kind of lacking. And I I say it's lacking because the the deepest of deep cuts was what? Genocide? Um it's not bad habit because they play that live at every show. Um uh there there was a lack of, I don't know, uh for lack of a better term, uh treats for super fans. You know, give me some like super deep cuts. You know, uh, we we had seen in some of those those Australia shows where they're they're playing like medleys of covers, um, like ACDC covers and all kinds of weird stuff, as well as like, you know, uh, uh, super deep cuts like uh, like spare me the details, you know, stuff that they never play. Um, I, I would have really appreciated something that that's quote unquote for me. I'm not saying I would have liked them to have played "Have You Ever," but like that, that's kind of that's kind of one one of one of my um, uh, dreams to to see them uh, play that or like like the future is now or or you know just, just something like that because like I mean I, I'm way uh, super into that um, uh, that one as well, um, but also you know given the time of year, so they they played the show on the 18th. And it's you know like their their second to the last show, uh, before the end of the year, and it is the Christmas time season. I am surprised that they didn't play either of their two uh, Christmas songs, which, and waiting into controversy. And and I'm sure if you are an Offspring super fan and you've listened to me so far, there's probably been a few takes that I've had that 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 rub you the wrong way, that 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 might piss you off. Um, I don't care for the Christmas songs. Maybe that's why they didn't play them. I don't know, but like I'm just I'm I just can't get into them. Um, a little too bluesy for my taste. I mean I I think it's fun. Um, to do something different, but yeah, it just doesn't resonate with me. And, um, since, since I've gone down this, uh, this rabbit hole of, uh, of again, potentially, uh, pissing off fans, I don't know how to feel about the new lineup. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, so they have a drummer and then a guy that, that, basically plays everything else so it's like you know he's got like steel drums for why don't you get a job and he's got um, a keyboard synthesizer and as well as a bunch of like other instruments that go into some of those um elaborate songs and i'm glad that they included those elements because a um another thing that i kind of (laughs) I, 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 um, th- that did kind of rub me the wrong way. And, and, and this is because, like, I'm a spoiled Seattle guy. So, all of the, um, extra voice work, uh, was piped in and recorded. So, it's like with, um, original Prankster, you know, they just played the recording of Redman, just, uh, you know, just, uh, just saying the, the lyric, uh, original Prankster. But, like, in seattle the uh oh so sorry i am i'm i'm getting myself all mixed up so one of the other uh uh, recorded things was the you got to keep them separated and being in seattle um we have a little bit of privilege and we're we're uh we're treated to uh live renditions of uh uh, the keep him separated guy, uh, Jason McLean, uh, Blackball. Um, he lives in Seattle or the Seattle area, so like you, you may have seen him in like the the cockpit karaoke uh, video wearing the the Seattle Kraken hat. Um, so yeah, so the keep him separated guy lives here, and anytime they do a show here, they bring him up on stage. So you know, it's like he'll do you know keep him separated and and Mata and um, I think. He even does like you know when they do Walla Walla, he comes out and does like the you know I'm innocent, I didn't do it, I didn't do nothing, man. It, so I think he does that also. They gi- they give him a lot of a lot to do, um, even beyond the stuff that's in his um, um, original recordings. But to hear all of that recorded was kind of lame. But again, I think that's a uniquely me thing. Um, given just what I've seen, I don't I don't know if that dude tours with them or if he only does that for the seattle shows i i i don't really know um but uh but ba- but back to the new lineup um we're in an era of the offspring now where it is dexter and noodles inc offspring inc where those two guys are the band and everybody else is hired hands and i don't know how to feel about that um and and I'm I'm not going to use this opportunity to give my thoughts about the separation with uh, longtime bassist Greg K. Uh, nor am I going to really get into my thoughts about the the separation with uh, drummer uh, Pete Parada um, over, over vaccines. I, am not going to touch any of that, but basically like those guys aren't in the band and now other people are in the band. They have, they have a different basis. They have a different drummer and then they have a different, uh, uh, Jack of all trades guys. And that, that's just kind of how it is. They were all great. Like, like the bass player, he was great. Looks a little too much like Greg K for m- for my taste. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like when you get a new girlfriend that looks like your ex-girlfriend, um, and, and may or may not have the same name also that, that kind of thing. It's, it's that level of weirdness, but, um, it, it's just, it, it's a dynamic I have to get used to. Um, so we'll see what happens, uh, with, uh, with the new album that they're working on that, that should be coming out, uh, this, uh, uh, this next year. um, but like on the uh, I, I missed this step earlier, but like uh, apparently on some of the um, uh, either European or Australian tour dates, uh, Jamie Miller was filling in on drums. And that that dude's awesome. He is the current drummer for Bad Religion. And he's uh, he, he's amazing. I um, I got to see him when uh when when i saw bad religion last but he really got on my radar during their uh their live uh decade shows and he has like the this this Cool, uh, uh, swing arm device for his microphone to where it's like he's drumming and then he'll swing the the microphone in front of him to uh to do uh, harmonies and um I I thought that would have been uh, a really cool to to see with uh with Offspring because like I mean he does he does harmonies really well and his his drumming is top notch but um sadly that that was that was not to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, all of that, even all of my criticisms, though, those are all nitpicks, as well as like a, a very personal, <laughs> um, uh, thing as well. But more than any of that, my issue was that I just wanted more, which is the sign of a great show, right? You know, it's like if you're left wanting more. Then that is a a satisfying experience, whereas with with my podcast, I leave people wanting more. No more. (laughs) But uh, but with that, uh, before I close out, um, I I would like to share with you um, a little bit of history about, uh, the crystal ballroom where, where the concert took place and the crystal hotel, uh, both, uh, McMiniman's, uh, properties, um, that I, that I really enjoyed. Um, first, um, some history about the ballroom. Uh, I found this on their website, uh, still grooving after all these years. Uh, the crystal ballroom enjoys national recognition for a reason. No local venue and indeed few in the nation can challenge this elegant ballrooms more than 100 years as a premier place to hear live music, dance and have memorable experiences. The hall is seen countless first loves unfold, police raids, visit by silent screen idols and beat poets, psychedelic light shows, narrow escapes from fire, demolition and neglect and a listing ...in the National Register of Historic Places. Today, it is a vital, thriving mcminimans owned and operated live music palace that hosts everything from rock and roll and country to hip-hop and Big Bang Swing... Tales about the Grand Hall at Northwest 14th and Burnside covered myriad topics and time periods. The crystal opened its doors as a ballroom in 1914, just as World War I began, in the days when frisky Portland residents could still be arrested for dancing the tango. Now, while the action on the stage has always thrilled, one thing everyone remembers about the crystal is its astounding quote unquote floating dance floor quote like dancing on clouds is how people describe cutting a rug here at the time of its construction the crystal's mechanical dance floor now fully restored to proper working order was said to be unique on the pacific coast today it may be the only one left in the united states You will also appreciate our gorgeous decor, flamboyant wall sconces and light fixtures, grand paintings and gigantic windows everywhere. People who come to the crystal seem to be inspired by an energy emanating from the site itself. A phenomenon social scientists call, quote unquote, the power of place. McMinimans is proud to to welcome a whole new generation of fun lovers and repeat offenders to the renovated, always happening crystal ballroom. The crystal is the only place we know where you can enjoy national regional and local bands live while dancing the night away on air. And I didn't realize that until I started doing uh, research and checking out the, the history of the ballroom and on the website. So when I was talking about the floor flexing, And how it felt like it could give way at any point, that's um, that's apparently deliberate and it was built in and it's been there uh, since uh, since the 1910s. And it's interesting because now knowing that information, I've retroactively recontextualized my experience and I, I just wish I could take back some of the anxiety that I felt because not knowing what it was. You can really feel the floor flex, but it is it is a very unique experience and it, it is one that is um, incredibly memorable. Um, I'd also like to share a little bit of history about the um, uh, the Crystal Hotel as well, because that that's uh, equally historic and also minimums, um uh property. Uh, The hotel building at the historic Uptown location of Southwest 12th and Burnside is now well into its second century. It has indeed lived a full life even before starting its new McMiniman's incarnation. Since opening in 1911, it has been home to such diverse businesses as a glove factory, oil burners and refrigeration shop, a dry cleaner and automobile tire store. Since the 1940s, a nightclub fronting on Stark street operated under different names and by various owners was a popular and storied spot for everyone from jazz connoisseurs to Portland's so-called underworld. And for the last 30 years as the apex in the city's gay triangle district. Um, so yeah, so I, um, I stayed on the, my room was on the second floor. And one of the cool things about these rooms is that they're all, uh, music and song themed so like the the room that i stayed in uh was uh uh, named after uh built to spills big dipper and um and it was cool because like i you know i've heard the song before but like um it had been a while um scrolled across hand painted across the room is the opening lyrics of the song and i i thought that was a really cool once Someone pointed out to me some constellations, but the big difference all I could see. That brontosaurus must have stood a thousand miles high. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of cool uh, rooms and themes. There's uh, uh, Nick Cave, uh, The Kingsman, Black Eyed Peas, Sonic Youth, Modest Mouse, uh, Blondie, uh, White Stripes, Slater Kenny, Arcade Fire, uh, Buffalo Springfield, James Brown, uh, Death Cab for Cutie, Merle Haggard, Little Richard, My Chemical Romance, uh, Bo Diddley, The, the Temptations uh, Jefferson Airplane, Grateful Dead, Marvin Gaye, uh, Lou Harris, um, and, uh, and Patty Smith, uh, just, just to name a few and, and so many more. Um, so yeah, lots of history, very, very cool place. Um, now I will tell you though, I mean, one, I, I, I definitely recommend, uh, uh, duplicating this uh, this adventure um, that I had, I, you know, I strongly uh, recommend uh, the Crystal Hotel and seeing a concert at the uh, Crystal Ballroom. But I will give you a heads up that um, several of the rooms, like mine, don't have their own bathroom. There's a there's a, um, shared uh, bathrooms, which was an interesting experience. It it reminds me when I was a teenager and I went to Vancouver at a a um, a historic hotel also that had, uh, had shared bathrooms, but there, there was never a time that I had to wait or fight anybody or whatever. It was all, it was all totally fine. But yeah, it was, that, that was kind of like an interesting, um, experience. Um, I did mention that, um, you know, basically I got out of the concert and didn't quite know what to do with myself. Um, I had, um, not realized not really paid attention to the time but the uh one of the other features at this particular uh McMiniman's it, you know at the, the Crystal Hotel is they also in the basement uh below street level um they have a saltwater soaking pool 101 degrees uh saltwater uh soaking pool and um it closes at 1 a.m and if you do the math getting out of a concert at 10 30. I had time to take a shower because I was gross. Those clothes went right in the fire. Um, just like, you know, that's, uh, uh, between like all the, you know, uh, sweat and, and all that, both, both mine and everyone else's. Cause I was getting, getting rowdy, uh, shoving people around. Um, anyway, I had to get rid of those clothes, take a shower. And then, yeah, I just, I just went down and, and, uh, soaked in the tub and, you know, you've reached a particular age when one of the highlights of the trip is, is is sitting in a saltwater soaking tub. What a delight. Um very very relaxing and a and a really uh uh terrific way to close out the night. Uh the next morning I had breakfast at the um at, at the Zeus Cafe um in the in the hotel and um had a had a terrific breakfast there before it was time to get back on the train and to go back home. Uh, where I found no snow um, the the weather was very unremarkable in portland it it, it had rained but was just kind of like wet and damp and not particularly cold um and uh and very unremarkable unlike in Seattle where there was like snow apocalypse warnings and flights being canceled um, I even put out on my facebook I, I was like um, I was told there would be snow and I didn't get to see any snow until uh lucky picked me up and like on the last block before we got home i looked at the rooftops and saw some uh snow on the roofs but uh um that's uh that that's that's gonna wrap things up for this episode uh thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me And if you want to listen to my podcast, Mike Seibert Radio and get more of this, uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. My name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, you got to keep them separated and make good choices. Mike Cyber Radio is recorded in Seattle, Washington. Our original theme song is written and performed by Lucia Fasano. Get her music on all streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Music, including her groovy new single, Habitable Planets. Check out her Instagram at Lucia underscore Fasano. Our closing theme is a nice place to visit by These Young Fools, used with permission from Michael Geisler. Check out Michael's website, ByTourMusic.com. Special thanks to Andy Lita for our logos and graphic design. He is at gogoandyrobo out on Twitter. Become a Mike Cybertronian and join the MSRP Friends and Fans Facebook group. And you can follow me on social media at Mike Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And check out my YouTube channel for even more videos. And subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to be a guest on the show? Send me an email, MikeSybertradio at gmail.com.
1: Um, all I want was one that I remember. Another story I probably shouldn't tell, but know what the hell, you know. Tell it. Tell it. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when we were on Epitaph and, you know, we used to talk about songs a lot, and there was a bunch of bands at the time. It was a really cool time with bands like Rancid and No Effects and Pennywise that were all kind of coming up at the same time. Bad Religion was already a really well known band. And I remember kind of a, a conversation around one time where everyone was joking around saying, we should write a try to write a Bad Religion song. We should have, like, a Bad Religion songwriting contest and see who writes the best one. And I was like, oh, that'd be easy, man, because, you know, they, they have kind of a distinctive sound and stuff. You know, it's like, oh, I could come up with something like that. And I actually wrote the song, and, uh, and I thought it sounded like Bad Religion. I thought it was kind of, kind of yeah, cool and kind yeah. of funny no, and It stuff. definitely and, has that vibe to it, for sure. So I tried to pitch uh, Bad Religion on it. We were actually demoing songs for Smash. I like, go, oh, I got this one. It's perfect for you guys, you know. And uh, the guy, Bad Religion, whatever, Brett. <laughs> <What was that? laughs> Brett goes, no, don't worry about it Just, uh, you know, play it for me later on acoustic or something Don't even, don't even bother So I, was, I felt a little bit rejected and thought, okay, whatever And then, uh, you know, af- after a while I'm sitting around thinking of songs the new record going, you know We could make this a song that sounded like us I think, too and stuff, but... but we don't need the thesaurus <laughs> to write the lyrics? Yeah. Well, that's so. the thing about bad religion songs is they always had uh, some pretty hefty vocabulary in it. So yeah. when, when I was joking around writing this song, uh, the, I called it Protocol. I thought, wouldn't that be great? We'll talk about protocol and, <laughs> you know, people walking around and they're robotic in their movements and it was stuff like that, you know. So I, I think the, the original chorus was something like, uh, Your back's to the wall. That's protocol. It's a the spirit. Sequestering your spirit? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome, dude. That would have won the contest for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But had to change it and make it sound more like us. But is this really something we want to include? Yeah. <laughs>